no, 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 man, no, 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 This is a Geek History of Time, where we connect nerdery to the real world. My name is Ed Blaylock. I'm a world history teacher here in Northern California, uh, but you already know that. We've been doing this for 100 episodes now. You know who I am. Uh, you know who my partner is, but tell him anyway. I'm Damien Harmony. I'm a Latin teacher up here in Northern California as well, and for 100 episodes, 50 of which we've done like this. Yes. And 50 of which we've done digitally. There's a remarkable symmetry to that, isn't there? Yeah. I, I didn't yeah. start this podcast thinking, you know what? Halfway through, we should have a plague. <laughs> <laughs> you know, halfway through, let's figure out a kludgy way to keep doing this over <laughs> over Skype while we're trying to make this work. And also, while we're at it, let's find a way to, to cause it so it, it sounds like there's a weird lag yeah. in our conversation <laughs> Where when we're not talking over each other, there's these long, awkward pauses. Like we're trying to think real hard about what to say, which anybody who knows me knows that's not what's going on. Uh, Ed never thinks about what he has to say. Uh, but, you know, the 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 artifice of the technology made it made it sound that way. Oh, and then while we're at it, uh, let's let's try to make it so that the audio quality goes to shit when we're recording at about 1145 <laughs> during our recording every sessions, time. every goddamn time, like clockwork, you could actually set your clock according to that. It's yeah. 1145 PST. Um, every single time, uh, at night, um, when you hear our recording go shitty, that's what happened. I don't know whose end it's on. I don't know what happened, but for a hundred episodes, we've been, we've been, well, for fifty for episodes, fifty of those episodes, we've while, been running we were, into that. Yeah, while we were doing this over over a Skype connection, uh, that's that's yeah. that's when the pause I talked about usually would start. Yeah, when when we'd have to turn our cameras off over Skype because yes. because like anything we can do to get the bit rate up, like oh my god, <laughs> let's how about we cut down on the amount of data we're sending downstream? Yep, like and none of it fucking worked. Like nope. it still sucked balls. <laughs> so yeah. Um, very, very, very happy not to have to worry about that anymore yeah. now that we're back together in person. Uh, good to have that tool in the kit. Yes. Uh, you know, for those occasions when one of us has a sick kid or, mm -hmm. or one of us is, you know, actually contagious with something that we don't yeah. want to spread, yeah. you know, like, you know, the flu, the actual flu, right. not, not, right. well, you know, it's just the flu. No, like influenza is yeah, what I'm talking about, you know. Um, you know, for circumstances like that, 
um, you know, that's that's a great thing to do. But it it it's so nice. It really is to actually be in the same room recording this again. It's it's and weird. I I forgot how much that added to it for us. And yeah. At the same time, I like I like I said before. This this pandemic has killed my imagination completely. <laughs> um, so like when I found out that you and I were both double vaccinated, yeah. Um, I didn't think to think that we could record in person. Yeah, I think you'd actually uh, brokered that idea first. And, yeah, and then I was like, right, that's oh, a possibility. Shit, we could do that. Now. Yes. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, and the funny thing is, it was it was uh, because. Um, initially I had thought, uh, that my, my parents were going to be in from out of town. Yeah. And you know, the only reason that can happen is because they're both fully vaccinated. Right. You know? Um, and so I didn't want to be sitting in my living room, um, <laughs> swearing up a storm like, you know, we do, <laughs> uh, and, and have them only hear my half of the conversation <laughs> as I'm going like, I'm sorry, motherfucker said what, you know? <laughs> While they're upstairs in in my son's room, you know, trying to go to sleep or trying to keep sleeping at one o'clock in the morning while we're recording, you know, I didn't want to be doing that. And so I was like, well, you know, uh, are you cool if, if, you know, I, right. I come over and we record in person and, you know, we're getting, we're getting to this weird place. Mm -hmm. Like we're, we're like starting to have these conversations because enough, enough people are, are getting to a place where we're, we're vaccinated that like it's a meaningful conversation about like okay well you know we know that the guidelines are that we can do this but like are you gonna be cool right because we all have low grade PTSD oh yeah well from I, what we've been going through I, if I move, if we don't have like higher grade PTSD I, I, I move you know? actually that we we stop calling it PTSD and start calling it DTSD. Okay. During during traumatic <laughs> stress disorder. Yeah that Kind of makes sense, yeah. yeah. But yes, you're absolutely right. Like, uh, again, it has sucked any and all imagination. Like, the new reality has been, oh, let's find a way to do this from a distance. Yeah. You know? And like, then, for everything. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, you know, I'm I'm, I'm going to be going back into my classroom uh, mm -hmm. on, on April 12th. And, you know, we, we've, out, outside of recording time, we've, we've talked about this. But... Uh, you know, I'm having this weird kind of kind of ambivalence mm -hmm. about it, because on the one hand, um, I know I'm going to be completely freaked out, mm -hmm. like completely freaked out to be in a room with probably eight or nine kids at a time. Right. After after, you know, all the ones who are going to stay home, make the decision to stay home and they cut the ones that are coming into my classroom into two cohorts. So, you know, every one of my classes is basically cut in half after being cut in half. Right. But, you know, so I'm going to have, you know, tops like 10 kids in my room at a time. Um, and, and I know just that number of kids in my room is going to be enough for me to be like, okay, all the windows are staying open. My door is staying wide open. I'm, you know, I'm wearing, you know, masks like all the time. Can I get gloves? Like what can, you know, I'm, right. I'm going to be yeah. in this state, even though, you know, I'm vaccinated and I'm mm -hmm. at full efficacy. And, and, but I, but I know going mm -hmm. into it that, that that's going to be part of my emotional state, 
But the other part of my emotional state is going to be like, oh my god, I get to go back to my fucking room. Oh, I know. I I am. I'm 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 actually going to get to like interact with my students in person. Yeah. I mean, it's still like methadone for a heroin addict. I'm not actually going to get to see their whole faces. Yeah. I'm not going to be big one for me. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't realize until I was actually thinking about like what teaching is going to look like in, in, in the new order, mm-hmm. but um, I'm not going to be able to walk the room. Yeah. Like I'm going to be, I'm going to be rooted at yes. the front of the room. Sage on the stage, you know? Yeah. Like a hundred. And I'm guilty mm-hmm. of sage on the stage more often than, than, than like we are encouraged to be anyway. Oh yeah. Because I'm a performer at heart and mm-hmm. that's, that's my crack. But, um, like there's no other option with, when the kids are coming back into the room now, that's it, bro. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's it's all it's, you get, it's gonna, it's gonna play havoc with like the, uh, the remedial reading class I'm teaching is, is built specifically around the idea of having, uh, rotations where the kids spend part of the time working online, part of the time reading independently and part of the time in small group instruction. And we can't do small group anything right, right. right now. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's just going to be weird, but there's, there, there is this weird combination of, and just like thinking about getting together with people in person, there's yep. this elation of like, Oh my God, we don't have to do this through a video connection anymore. Yeah. And there's also this little bit of like, well, yeah, but we got to be in the same room. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We, we kind of have to train back up to. Oh shit, man. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, but I'm right now when it's, you know, just the two of us in here doing this, I'm like, no, 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 this, Hmm. let's do it. There's a lot less ambivalence. There's a lot more like a hundred percent positivity. Yay. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. No, I, but, I, I do not disagree with the thing that you said, uh, other than the fact that I'm not going to go back no. until the fall. Yeah. Uh, I I have found any number of avenues for me to not go back, and I'm going to employ them all to ensure <laughs> that I do not go back. Yeah, redundancy up, is, yeah. is a is oh, a plan. Up to and all including, its own. Up to and including having saved up for this possibility. Yeah. So uh, it's tremendous privilege that I have that uh, – you know, many of my colleagues don't, which yeah. is why I'm very active in the union to try to get as close to that for them as possible. Yeah. Uh, but there you go. Yeah. So, so last time we talked. Yes. So back when we were in double digit episodes. Yeah. Now that we've ascended. Now that we've, now to, that we've crossed the Rubicon into yes. triple digits. Ooh, nicely done. Thank nicely you. Done. Thank you. Uh, so uh, we talked about um, Rome, essentially, yes. uh, but also talked about. The Cardassians, uh, the, more more Roman than the Romulans. Yeah, yes, yeah. The the main antagonist for Deep Space Nine. Yes. So I want to come back to that. So I okay. ended last episode talking about the trial of Horatius. Yes. Uh, didn't ask you then. Uh, gonna ask you now. Yeah. Uh, what were some of your takeaways from from that <laughs> whole thing? Um, specifically the trial. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. Number one, one of the things that, that I that I mention to my students pretty regularly teaching world history mm-hmm. uh, is that they need to keep in mind that what we call the threshold of violence mm. in day to day life was infinitely lower. Yes. In the in the time period that we're that we're studying. And I'm and I'm talking to them about 
a time period even later than this. Um, now, admittedly, the the change in threshold of violence between the Bronze Age and you know the the High Middle Ages is probably not as dramatic as the change from the High Middle Ages to now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but still, uh, the 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 really shocking part of it was the the frequency with which, oh yeah, and then he killed him. Uh, is is just is just a thing, and is just and is written down by Livy as just being like, and you know, then he then he you know right. died right from you know multiple stab wounds, like is just a thing. Um, that that leapt out at me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mm-hmm. the extent to which what Horatius was put on trial for was shockingly violent to us Mm -hmm. and was probably a bit of a shock to the Romans. But, but the fact that it wasn't shocking enough to the Romans for them to say, no man, (laughs) the law is the law, right? You, you murdered your own sister in broad daylight in front of the entire, in front of the gods and literally everybody, Mm -hmm. you know, um, just, just the, the reinforcing factor mm-hmm. there of, no, no, we are talking about a very different society and a very different conception of yep. how stuff works. Uh, number one is a, is a big takeaway from there. Okay. The other thing that I found interesting was the way you put it when you talked about the, the pair of judges, mm-hmm. the do them where the, the do mm-hmm. that their whole job was to find him guilty. Yes. That, that, and, and that wasn't the way you phrased it. Wasn't there wasn't any other verdict they could give because everybody saw him do it. Like there was no ambiguity about whether or not he had done it, but their whole job was to find like their role. It wasn't even so much about the fact that, no, no, we all saw him do it mm-hmm. again in broad daylight, shouting about it while he did it. Like, but, but that finding him guilty was their job. Yeah. yeah. Like the, the, the whole reason you get to do him where is to, as, as the source said, to pass judgment. Yes. That. What's interesting about that from a legalistic standpoint mm-hmm. is that it's not it's not a trial. No. It's a pronouncement. And and there is there is a whole set of assumptions mm-hmm. going into how justice works, going into what the role of the state is mm-hmm. in in injustice. Mm-hmm. You know, we we have this concept in our in our legal system. The ideal that we put forward mm-hmm. is that uh, in the legal system, you know, the there there needs to be an inquiry into is this person guilty? Is this person not? There has to be proof. You know, the, right. the, the whole the whole system is built around the idea that there is a back and forth and a burden of proof and a, and a burden of proof, yeah. which is a whole other later. That's that's yeah, yeah, that's yeah. such a modern concept. I don't even want to get into that when we're talking about the Romans. But yes, um, 
but but that here we're not even talking about we're not even getting to who has the burden of proof it's right. nobody has a burden of proof you're fucking guilty yeah you did it like period yeah. like like no no we have you mm-hmm. and i'm just i'm thinking about it like and the way this is phrased this wasn't just like okay well i'm gonna create this thing called doom we're for this case in front of everybody to you know give me cover for hostilius to go like okay no i need somebody else to like do this right which he did but the doom we're was an already extant mm-hmm. uh, uh institution mm-hmm. that he made use of as opposed to just pulling it out of his ass, like, well, I'm going to take these two judges and you're going to find him guilty right, for right. me. No, this was already a thing. Yeah. And so, like, okay, no, if you get caught, mm-hmm. or or rather, if you get hauled before the doom wearer, whether you did it or not, you're guilty. Yep. The fact that we have brought you here <laughs> means somebody has to pay for it and we have decided you're going to be the one to do it. I'm I'm really glad that you picked up on all and, of that. And 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 that is the role of the state in justice, mm-hmm. which makes it performative. Yes. Which which I mean, you, you there's all kinds of debates we can have. I mean, meaningfully that we can have about you know our own court system and how actually representative it actually is. I, I was going to ask, did you want to just fast forward to 1934 in Germany, <laughs> I mean, or the Soviet Union? Yeah, you know, or China? Yeah, great leap forward. Yeah, no, the the, the you know it, it's it's no um, coincidence that. Uh, these kinds of models are the ones that uh, Il Duce used when he came up with the system of fascism. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you know, like... He was oh, building wow. another Roman Empire. Yeah, that, 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 mean, sounds, that sounds yeah. awfully fashy. Well, yes, yes, because Mussolini was the dude. So, yeah. yeah. So, um, so yeah, yeah that's, you know, it's that's, interesting that's, that you, you brought up... I'm going to capitalize a little bit on the the performative part and then uh gonna unfold the rest of this uh which is you played perfectly into it well done um so but what what i want to just pull apart a little bit more granularly there is is the part about it being performative um most analyses of roman religion was that it was not revealed but contractual that uh the reason that we worship the gods is because that's the contract that we have with them to keep things going. And if we do our part, they're bound by that same contract to do their part. Now, they might not do it very well. Sometimes they might be wrathful if we forget our part. But if we do our part, they'll do their part. And therefore, Roman religion itself, by its very nature, was also state religion. Yeah. You know, the college of the uh, priests and stuff like that was performative. If we perform these rites... It These things happen. Performative, yep. As the paralegal in the room, mm-hmm. performative in a contractual sense. Yes. Performance of the contract. Yes. Not, not. I'm going to get up on stage and give you a an interpretive dance. No, they regarding... literally had priests that did that. Well, yeah, I, I understand, they, but the leaping, ple- they were called the dancing priests of Mars. Okay, back up. Stop. <laughs> Stop. Though. Yep. Wait. Okay, yep. hold on. Okay. I was totally right there with you. <laughs> Yeah. Right there with you, dancing yeah. priests. Yeah, yeah. Got it. Okay, dance is yeah. the thing. Dancing priests of Mars. Yes. The dancing priests of the god of war. I always just picture so like, they, they would like, they would dance through the streets. Yeah. Um during certain festival days. Yeah. Uh and and like the, in armor? Like, uh, no, like not particularly no. sometimes, but okay. not always. 
But but I always pictured it as just being like you remember the the ending of Soul Train, where they'd form two <laughs> lines and people would dance down. Yeah, that's what I have pictured. Okay, you know, in my mind you, was you yeah, might not be wrong. Yeah, but how did that just? And, uh-huh. and I mean, I, I understand that my own concepts of masculinity and, mm-hmm. and warriorness play into this. Sure. But to the Roman mindset, which, by the way, like, I don't think we can overstate how, like, incredibly goddamn macho Roman Roman ideas of masculinity were. Well, like, like, to us, massively there's, toxic. There's Okay, so there's a little bit to it here. Okay. Um, first off, they, they were called the Salii. Um, okay. These are dancing priests. Salire is to also to leap. Okay. But it's also to dance. Okay. Uh, they did dress up as archaic warriors. They did. Uh, okay. Including like, uh, I believe, a, a, a spiked headdress. Okay. Uh, they called that the apex. Uh, okay. Apex. Um, they also had, I want to say, uh, I want to say like a deep red tunic. Okay. Um, and uh, the thing is, um, this this group of the dancing slash leaping priests of Mars, um, were, um, they, how to put this? They they had, um, a bunch of like bronze shields. Okay. Um, they had a lot of these things. Uh, and uh, the the king that came up with this was none other than Numa Pompilius. Okay. He's he's the one that com- came up with the College of okay, the Priests, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He came up with the war priests, dancing priests. Okay. And he had his wife, I think, the, the goddess that the, he yes, slept with, yes, right? Yes, Agaria. yes, yes. Um, uh, he had her, um, I believe, uh, he either had her engraved on the shield or he, or, because various accounts... Are, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Vague. Yeah. He either had her Here engraved the on, goes, on the twelve shields, ways. yeah, or she had inspired him to make the twelve shields. I forget okay, which. Right. But either way, the dancing priests of Rome. Okay. Yeah, of of Mars. Pardon. Of Mars. Yes. yes. So okay. so uh, very performative. And yes, <laughs> on every level. Every level. Perf- wow. Yes. Okay. So. Huh. Yeah. They did oh, that. Were weird. All right. Yeah. So now back okay. to yeah. uh, back to the other thing that you brought up was just uh, which absolutely perfectly plays into uh, episode B of Cardassian jurisprudence <laughs> and the trial of Horatius. So we okay. had the trial of Horatius. Yes. Now let's go to the Cardassian jurisprudence. In every uh, single episode where the Cardassian courts are brought up. Which in itself is an odd thing to to develop, but it it was the mid to late nineties, and we did spend an entire year watching the OJ trial. So, yeah, and the Menendez brothers. Oh. Uh, so oh. yeah, okay, uh, yeah. So so trials being a public uh, yeah, thing was was huge. It yeah. was a big deal okay. to us. So, um, you know, court TV mm-hmm. got started in in the I mean, really took off. Yeah. in the wake of that. Yeah. Uh, on a on a personal note, mm-hmm. um, I I have an aunt uh, who who actually wound up on court TV. Oh wow! Not in a good way uh, for for a a deeply regrettable situation that that turned into her her facing criminal charges for something that 
we and family are of course convinced she was not responsible for but Mm. um it was very interesting to have the experience of seeing that what would normally be Mm -hmm. like we and family know about what's going on right and you know we have these details about it but then seeing that plastered on on a national kind of media Mm -hmm. thing sure uh was really surreal i bet uh and you know and and when you when you talk about you know courts being performative Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the moment we introduced we as a society introduced cameras and the media into the trial environment Mm -hmm. i genuinely think that that trials that wound up being broadcast like that and Mm -hmm. covered like that and and the oj trial being one of them and the menendez brothers trial being another one there the the process itself was impacted by the fact that there was suddenly this audience sure and yeah so anyway okay but but that was that was in because of those things sure sure that was now a new thing i mean now we're used to this being part of our our parlance and our media landscape but Mm -hmm. but when it was new like that um you know the the seeing that show up in the zitgeist shouldn't in retrospect shouldn't be surprising yeah yeah i i would say though that you know you had radios showing up in trials um as far back as the 30s now they would report after the fact yeah but even that in itself changed the trial situation because you're not just playing to 12 now no you know and you're not just playing to the people who literally live down the street from you yeah you're playing to uh strangers yeah exactly exactly yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't necessarily know that that's bad or good I know that that is a shift yeah um, but uh, in every episode where the Cardassian courts are brought up yes uh, the verdict is rendered prior to the trial okay the trial therefore is an opportunity for the state to show the people that justice triumphs over evil every time specifically that quote was okay. used uh, the state is benevolent and wise and just, and its traitors will be dealt with harshly and swiftly. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. There we go. Specifically, season two, episode 25 of Deep Space Nine, Chief O'Brien is put on trial for sabotage. The arresting officer, Gull Avec, informs O'Brien that, quote, you have the right to refuse to answer questions, but such refusal may be construed as a sign of guilt. Evec informs him, to which Miles demands to know what crimes, uh, to to know what the charges are. Evec asks Miles if uh, if he would like to deny all knowledge of the crime. When Miles again asks what the crime is, Evec interprets his response as a no. At no time is O'Brien ever informed of his charges. The charges against Chief O'Brien are not to be revealed, uh, are to be revealed. Pardon me, at the trial, as per Cardassian jurisprudence. Now. Under the articles of Cardassian jurisprudence, an officer would caution the individual being arrested that, quote, you have the right to refuse to answer questions, but such refusal may be construed as a sign of guilt. So it's their version of Miranda. Mm 
Uh, the document also allowed the arrest of a suspect without informing him of the crime he was accused of. It also provided for spouses of the accused to uh, disassociate themselves from the accused by testifying against them. Okay, which ties in with what we've already heard about mm-hmm. Cardassians and loyalty and mm-hmm. all that. State above all, yeah. even though family is all. Yeah. Cardassian trials were for show as the verdict and sentence had already been determined in advance, and there was no appeals process. So, so far, Miles O'Brien is actually getting full due process under Cardassian law. The point, in a fascist yeah, state. Yes. I mean, you know. Yes. Like, but they're following. Couldn't, couldn't be any more overt than, yeah. They're following procedure. Well, yeah. The point of a Cardassian. They were only following orders. <laughs> the point of a Cardassian trial isn't to reach the verdict. The verdict has already been reached. The trial is to demonstrate how it was reached. Showing your work. Yeah. Wow. O'Brien has already been scheduled for execution the following week. <laughs> he is assigned a conservator, which is a type of lawyer cum advisor named Kovat. Uh, his conservator is there simply to help the accused to concede to the wisdom of the state. Wow. The conservator asks O'Brien if he wants to confess, and so far O'Brien still doesn't know what he's on trial for. But it's not for O'Brien to confess. It is for the public's faith in the state for him to confess. Hearing the guilty confess makes the public feel better, and while such is not the primary purpose of the trial, the conservator points out that it is not a bad side effect. (laughs) So whatever O'Brien may or may not have done, the conservator reassures him uh, that it does not matter in the long run. (laughs) Quote, The purpose of this trial is to demonstrate the futility of behavior contrary to good order. He says, and he calls the entire process uplifting for everyone. Does does that does that include the one being disintegrated a week from now? Well, there's that. Kovat (laughs) enthusiastically (laughs) describes how all crimes are solved are solved on Cardassia, and even the poorest of the poor can walk the streets in the dead of night safely. Yeah. Well, the poorest of the poor don't have anything to get robbed for. There's also that. You know, I was yep. going to say, wow. Yeah. That's, that's, and this guy Kovac's a true believer. Oh, okay. yeah. He's, that, okay. His whole career is based on this. Jesus. Uh, he's, he's essentially, he is, you got to keep in mind, he is their version of a lawyer, right? Yeah. For the defense. He's never won. He's not supposed to. Yeah, well, yeah, because that, yeah. because the system works, right, right. Because like nobody gets arrested who didn't do it, right. Like I mean, come on. O'Brien informs wow. Kovat that he is not guilty, and he holds the entire process in contempt, an attitude that Kovat claims will put on a good show. But before Kovat leaves, O'Brien asks if he's ever won a case, and he says, yeah. "Well, winning isn't everything," and he walks away. As as the a uh, Jesus meter <laughs> hit, yeah. hits nine thousand, yeah, Oh, Jesus, yeah. When the execution yeah. is to take place, the Cardassians have invited O'Brien's wife Keiko to it, as families are always invited to trials and executions, so the public can see them weep. 
the fuck? Now, what I love there is, and I might have uh, gone into it a little bit earlier or a little bit later here as well, but I, I want to bring it up here. Roman trials, if you're a defendant in a Roman trial, I don't care how rich you are, you show up in rags with your hair fucked up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you show up pretending to have been agonizing over this thing, no matter how innocent or guilty you are. No matter yeah. how rich or poor you are, you show up like that. It's very performative. Yeah. Uh, and it brings me back to the Menendez brothers. Remember how they yeah. dressed them up in those nice sweaters and softened oh, their yeah, image? Oh, yeah, made them all yeah. look, yeah. And then you look at their eyes and you're like, no, no. Yeah. And then no, you realize no. that, uh, you know, no. one woman married one of them while yeah. he was in prison having been found guilty. And it's like. Monkeys okay. be crazy. Yeah. 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 My, my fellow my fellow primates are not Okay. <laughs> So the whole trial is there for show. And when new evidence comes to light, it's not allowed. No evidence may be submitted after the verdict has been reached. And since the verdict was reached uh, ahead of the trial. Woof. So. (laughs) You're, yeah, you're, you're fucked. Yeah. I've arrested you. Kiss your family. Goodbye. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Now, here's how the trial begins. Quote. The offender, Miles O'Brien, human, officer of the Federation Starfleet, has been found guilty of aiding and abetting seditious acts against the state. The sentence is death. Let the trial begin. End quote. <laughs> which, which is, you know, taken from, uh, we we have these guys, uh huh, and and they're gonna pronounce they're gonna pronounce judgment. Mm-hmm. This isn't this isn't about this, finding right whether you're guilty or not you are this is about justice yeah triumphing over evil wow cardassians are space romans and their jurisprudence is clearly lifted from the trial of Horatius's doom weird structure yeah cardassians are defined by their militarism their inherent suspicion of outsiders and their penchant for duplicitousness and strategic maneuvering Indeed, for Cardassia, the only instrument that can ensure order and security is a strong nation-state bound by common purpose, force of arms, and an unwavering sense of right and wrong that can ward off its enemies, both internal and external. This is fully shown during Hostilius' reign. And when Livy set out to write the whole of the history of Rome, in which the trial of Horatius can be found best, it was partly to act as a moral guide to Romans. Livy's prologue states, quote, It is the privilege of antiquity to mingle divine things with human, and so to add dignity to the beginnings of cities. And if any people ought to be allowed to consecrate their origins and refer to them refer them to a divine source, and so great a military is so great is the, is the military glory of the Roman people that when they profess that their father and their father of their father of their founder was none other than Mars, the nations of the earth may well submit to this also with as good as grace as they may submit to Rome's dominion. But to such legends as these, however they shall be regarded and judged, I shall for my own part attach no great importance. Here are the questions which, to which I would have every reader give his close attention. What life and morals were like through what men and what by what policies in peace and war empire was established and enlarged and let him note how with the gradual relaxation of discipline morals first gave way as it were and then sank lower and lower and finally began to downward plunge which has brought us to the present time 
when we can endure neither our vices nor their cures. Huh. What chiefly makes the study of history wholesome and profitable is this, that you behold the lessons of every kind of experience set forth on a conscious monument or on a conspicuous monument. From these, you may choose for yourself and for your own state what to imitate. From these, mark for avoidance what is shameful in the conception and shameful in the result. For the rest, either love of the task, uh, either love of the task that I have set myself deceives me, or no state was ever greater. None more righteous or richer in good examples, none ever where uh, was where avarice and luxury came into the social order so late, which I love the inevitability of that, yeah. or where humble means and thrift were so highly esteemed and so long held in honor. For true it is that the less men's wealth was, the less their greed. Of late, riches and uh, riches have brought in avarice and excessive pleasures of the longing to carry wantonness and license to the point of ruin for oneself and of universal destruction. So as you can see, the state is the highest good. It is the thing that keeps them from degenerating, like you said, into the wolves of the fields. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, just like the uh, Romans, Cardassians were yeah. driven by conquest. The show's treatment of the Bajorans originally starts out as a very non-nuanced and non-nuanced, oi, yeah, and clumsy allegory for the Jews under Rome, but then it quickly becomes the Palestinians under Israel in the '80s and in the '90s. Yeah. So. Yeah, which is an, an interesting shift. Mm-hmm. Um, what I what I find interesting in in the the quote from Livy there. Mm-hmm is you know that's a theme from chroniclers and historians that starts with him and he's kind of the the father of the discipline of history mm-hmm. in in many ways but we see the same thing in in chronicles from millennia later yes you know there's there's always this you know, look, look at how badly our society has fallen. Look at the degeneracy of, of our, of our current state. Right. Like, you know, in, in Saxon England, Mm -hmm. um, before, uh, yeah, well, before the Norman conquest, but I don't remember whether it was before or after the, the great heathen army before the, before the Vikings showed up. Um, you know, writers talked about his, you know, the, the chroniclers of the time, uh, lamented how effeminate, uh, the, the men and the, the young men of, of the court of, of the Saxon kingdoms, mm-hmm. uh, was that, that they were, you know, they, 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 you know, wore rouge and makeup and all this stuff and they sure, wore sure. their hair long and, you know, they're, they're just not virile anymore. And, and, and it's the same you know, look, look at the dissipation of our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on a, on a, on a more, um, I don't know, fatalistic is the right word, but, um, and I'm forgetting the name of the scroll, but it's, it's one of the, one of the famous stories of samurai history, mm-hmm. uh, opens with this, this beautiful haunting kind of poem about how, you know, the, the bells at the temple of, of the Honganji, and I'm trying to remember 
that's not the name of the temple. I can't remember off the top of my head, you know, uh, uh, reminds one of the impermanence of all things. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we live in the fallen world, you know, where, where enlightenment, where we cannot reach enlightenment within our own lifetimes. You know, it's, it's, there's always this idea that the world we're living in right now until very, very modernly, Mm Mm-hmm there there was always in in any kind of historical chronicle there was always this idea that everybody back then knew what they were doing yeah and it was so much better back then and they were just so much more moral back then and, and that, now that especially that moral you know, part yeah. yeah and and now we're living in this age of you know uh dissolution and 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 you know decay and and it's interesting that, I mean, of course, we still have those voices saying the same thing about our society right now mm-hmm. compared to, you know, the 50s. But our the the that is that is no longer the dominant ideal of historians. Right. You know, historians look at it and you're like, um, we have antibiotics <laughs> yeah. and vaccines and water yeah. treatment yeah. and and like like the ability to to access the accumulated knowledge of literally all of human history mm-hmm. we have it so good guys like yeah, come yeah. on this is better this is better like you know mm-hmm. um it's just it's it 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 strikes me as you as you read Livy mm-hmm. lamenting about you know we did such a good job in the good old in days. the good old days, yep. and and we as Romans are superior because we held out against the licentiousness and the yes. greed for so long. Yes, but as you say, the inevitability of it is is just a given to him. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and oh. and then and then and then holding up, mm-hmm. holding up as an example of morality. This the doom. This here. this the doom where which. Like I can't say this fascist model because fascism doesn't get invented right for another two thousand plus years. Yes, like from the time Livy was writing, <laughs> but like to to a to a modern twenty first century reader, you hear about Horatius's trial and about Hostilius saying, "All right, I need to find a way to make this work so I can pardon him, but still uphold the law." Mm-hmm. Like how fascist the fuck is that yeah like oh my god and of course the reason is because that's the model as we already said that's the model mussolini was working exactly but like that's the moral example you want to give yeah like to a to a modern to a modern sensibility and again this goes back to think about threshold of violence to a modern sensibility that's just nut bar it it is like, but like <laughs> it's lunatic but we're not talking about a modern sensibility we're talking no. about the bronze age well and livy i mean he said other things in his preface too it's it's the hardest thing that he writes for translation purposes okay like uh, i could believe the that. preface Just is from, a, the, from the phraseology yeah you're using oh in, my god in that, that you were reading i hated translating his preface i love translating every book thereafter from him okay um, but uh, he also says that, uh, I mean, he does the fake uh, hum- humility thing. Um, but uh, he also, in his preface, he uh. says that he hopes that we will draw our moral lessons from those people. And that uh, that was a time in which 
um men were men and sheep were scared well that too but uh where uh what was it um it was a time where oh man you threw me off there sorry Uh, it's okay it's all right (laughs) no i'm really not yeah needed to be made sure sure and and i can't wait for a funny one but uh yeah you know okay yeah yeah. Uh, but you know, on the 200th episode, that's there what you I'm go. Really, All right. okay. really looking yes, forward to laughing yeah, at okay. your joke. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, so he's saying that it was a time when <laughs> I'm getting flipped off. Yeah, I, I do, do miss being now, in now person. That, now that yeah. we're in the same room. Yeah. Uh, but no, he said, uh, you know, there was a time where people lived closer to the earth. They lived, uh, closer to their morality. And then, um, <laughs> It, but I'm, I'm yeah. sorry as a, as a modern as a modern listener mm-hmm. uh livy who was writing this which century uh same time as augustus okay so 700 so, years after the shit so, that we're so, talking okay, about okay okay so so near near mm-hmm. year one ad mm-hmm. uh hearing hearing him in that time period talk about you know people used to live closer to the earth like <laughs> do you like how far from the earth are you? He had stairs. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> like that's okay. Yeah. Like, you know, it <laughs> it just there were buildings just, that had stories to them. Okay. It wasn't just earthen ramps up to a temple oh, at the top okay. of a hill. All right. Wow. All right. You know. But okay. he also said that it was our um our luxury and our wealth that ruined rome's yeah. morality yeah and with with uh with wealth comes rot essentially and what i love Money about the that root of all evil right you know, you know what i love about that though is that he is saying what so many regressives say now oh yeah um but what we're not hearing it from is historians anymore who are worth their salt because specifically i think of the GI Bill. Okay. Because once black and brown faces got mm-hmm. to go to college too and study in academia and become historians, they started bringing other stories and history shifted from what lessons can we learn from the past uh, in terms of aspirational to what lessons can we learn from the past in terms of fixing shit. Yeah. Yeah. And there's there's a difference. Now, back to uh, yes. the Cardassians. Yeah. They were driven by conquest just like the Romans were, right? Yeah. Um, and like I said, they they the show had them as having just given up the concentration camps of Bajorans. Yeah. Like that's like episode one and two of season yeah. one. Um and that was that was really heavy. It was I, I, like as an introduction to a brand new Star Trek series, you're like, Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I liked it. I liked. Oh yeah. Well, it. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. It was. Yeah. It once was they found their feet, departure. Yeah. <laughs> once, once it was about season two. Yeah, well, midway through season two. Yeah, they they found in, huh? in yeah Star Trek terminology. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, they were a clumsy allegory, like I said, for the Jews under Rome, but then they became the Palestinians under Israel during the eighties and nineties. Will Nguyen, uh, a Trek enthusiast, a fellow podcaster, and the author of the 2015 article, A Mirror for Humanity, Why the Cardassians Are Trek's Best Alien Race, he pointed out that producers Michael Piller and Rick Berman 
uh, at the time had said, quote, the Bajorans are the PLO, but they're also the Kurds, the Jews, and the American Indians. They are any racially bound group of people who have been deprived of their home by a powerful force. Okay. So your producers are saying that. Your creators are saying that. Yeah. In the mid-90s, Israel was in a transition in its struggle with how to address the issue of apartheid in its own state. Yeah. Uh, Yitzhak Rabin was of a more peaceful bend than was his predecessor, Perez. And as such, the Bajorans were more of an amalgam of several several groups, per what the producers had said. The Cardassians, simply and broadly, are the more realistic version of what the Romans were. Okay. Casting the Bajorans in the role of the Jews, whom they conquered during the empire. That our own culture lionizes and whitewashes the Roman Empire is pretty telling. And Will Nguyen says, quote, As we ourselves have witnessed, the appeal of patriotism, self-pride, the rule of law, the security of order, and the desire for collective good are all powerful and beneficial motivators. But they can also be corrupted, manipulated, and exploited to justify unspeakable acts in the name of ensuring and preserving those very same things. Yes. Okay. Now, some people look to sci-fi for their lessons, right? As, As many can look to the Cardassians to see ourselves from the past four years. Frankly, more than that. Yeah. Because Nguyen was writing that in 2015. That was under Obama. Yeah. And under Obama, we I mean, one of the reasons that the Trump administration was able to get away with rhetorically so much of its fuckery was because they said, well, Obama did it. Yeah. And they were not wrong. Yeah. And now current president Joe Biden is doing it. And they're not wrong. Yeah. And he's changing the words to things. And that's about it. Yeah. Now, having said that, I've also seen a lot of movement toward shifting things, and I'm hopeful that that is a way of processing our way out of this. Yeah. Uh, With all due haste, please, though. Um, But uh, in in the last four years, the – how to put – the people who cheered it on, yeah. Because I I don't recall I don't recall Obama supporters cheering on kids in cages. No. Cheering on mass deportations. No. I recall Obama supporters wincing and still finding mental gymnastics. Yeah, finding finding ways to yeah. uh, deflect, ignore mm-hmm try to try to weasel word well yeah you know, what are you gonna do right right like it was it was it, it was something that was um it, it wasn't anything obama supporters liked but it was something that that they did accept they they, they accepted yeah whereas the the real hardcore base of trump's support mm-hmm wanted that shit yeah like that was the point yes hurting people was the point yeah he's not hurting he's, who he's, he's supposed not to. hurting the yep. people yeah he's not hurting the right people now i think in some ways that's a distinction without a difference no i yes yeah yeah but i but i think it it goes to mm-hmm. the core the, the the some some of the core differences in 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 ideology mm-hmm. 
Um, I mean, the the impact is not different, but yeah. the the vector mm-hmm. that of of what where where that can lead and how fast and whether or not is, you can is, come back from it, yeah, and in what way you can, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So those people who cheered it on made a hell of a deal with the devil to assuage their bruised egos as a culture. Yeah. This will be its own episode at some point about okay. how the Cardassians treat the Bajorans. Uh, I, I couldn't talk about them without talking about that. That would be weird. Uh, but uh, largely I was just looking at this one small thing of jurisprudence because it was yeah. so clearly an echo. Now others, some people look to sci-fi for their lessons. Others look to history for their lessons. The state as the ultimate goal leads to its own injustices, as we saw under Tullus Hostilius's reign. The excusal of personal injustice because the people demand it. Yeah. Uh, as seen in the trial of Horatius and the continuation of traditions that are ultimately harmful to large swaths of our society, like we just said. Yeah. But I think that I found a sweet spot here because okay. when sci fi looks to history to teach us history's lessons, uh, that's when you've caught lightning in a bottle. Okay. Unfortunately, Miles O'Brien has to suffer through all of it. Yeah. Uh, because that is kind of the point of the producers was every season was how can I torture Miles O'Brien? <laughs> how can how can we screw over Miles O'Brien? Uh, yeah. What what yeah. what? yeah. He he really was kind of the butt monkey. Yeah. No. Every season series. was we're gonna try to drive Miles O'Brien crazy for an episode. Yeah, that, that was that was, was a goal. Yeah. So, and in this case, it was the trial of Tullus Hostilius. Yeah. Or, well, it was the trial under Tullus Hostilius of Horatius. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. That is that is it. Wow. Yeah. Episode one hundred in the there can, we baby. go. Look at that. That's awesome. Yeah. Got that done. So, per our tradition, yes, hundred episodes long. Yeah. Ed, what have you gleaned? Um, that, <laughs> that when you establish a, a standard mm-hmm. or, or establish a tradition or establish a system, you better really make sure you've established it based on the right things because you never know how far forward in history that's going to wind up going. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on a, on a very prosaic level, um, you know, there's there's a there's a, a, a meme that goes around every so often that's about, you know, the width of a standard road in the United States. Right. Is based on the width of a railroad track. The width of a railroad track is based on the length of a wagon axle. Which right. is based on, you know, Roman roads, right. which were based on the width of two horses asses because that's what pulled a chariot. Yes. And like. So, you know, keep in mind when you establish a standard for something, and it usually goes around amongst, you know, programmers and tech people. It's like when you establish a standard for something, you know, know how long it's going to last. Yeah. I, I, I think it's equally applicable to, you know, when when you are setting a precedent for how you want to have something work when, when mm-hmm. in, in a society. Um, you need to be really careful about that because it it establishes the the tone and the language and the whole outlook. Yep. Because people are going to make assumptions a century from now based on 
well, this is the way we've always done it. Yeah. And and it's going to wind up getting absorbed into the wallpaper until some historian <laughs> 500 years from now goes, hey, wait a minute. Right. Let's 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 let, let's really look at this. Mm hmm. And you're going to wind up in a situation where somebody's going to go, I'm sorry, that's fucking nuts. Mm -hmm. Like I was just doing with the whole the whole system of, well, OK, no, our whole job mm -hmm. is to is to pass judgment on you because you're here. So you're guilty. Right. And so many things get built off of that. Oh, yeah. That that yeah yeah that the the, there had that to be there, there had to be a whole a whole philosophical movement to move away from that to get us where we are now mm -hmm. because that was basically the way royal justice worked under any number of kings for yep. forever yep the the counterpoint to that was the Germanic tradition of no no we're gonna hold you in front of a group of your peers mm -hmm. and you're gonna tell your story and they're gonna decide whether they think you did it or not right. You know, because that's that's a tribal, you know, barbarian German system sure. as opposed to the Roman. No, no, we need to have this authoritative state. State. You know, it's yeah. more, more communal as opposed to top down. Yep. You know, and that's that's the that's the counterforce was another group of, you know, incredibly violent, you know, people. Yeah. With with people their scared with the Romans their, with their own with their own set of by the way, this is a really low uh, uh, threshold of violence kind of yeah. kind of rules and traditions involved. Like, wow. Yeah. I mean, eventually with with the Germans, you had the Wehrgeld. Yeah. You know, because you're going to pay money instead of killing them. Right. So pay up. Yeah. 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 Or, or you're going to pay money instead of getting killed. Yeah. yeah. That way we don't have a blood feud lasting yeah. generations. Literally generations, yeah. which, you know, didn't stop the Scots from bringing that tradition over to the United States. No. Hatfields and McCoys uh, or anything like that at all. So, yeah. But. Okay. Yeah, no. It's 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 seeing the the depth of the echo. Oh, I like that. Is. I like that. Is illuminating. Yeah. In a, in a really big way. Um, yeah. And just the absurdity of, well, no, you're here because you're guilty. Like you really did loop on that. Of, what yeah. kind of Dadaist like <laughs> it's Kafka esque. Kafka. Yeah. 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 I went to Dada, but I meant Kafka. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, either one could apply. It's just surrealism, but yeah, Kafka esque kind of <laughs> wait. Like I like I picture that whole like I don't remember that episode of, mm -hmm. of the show, but I picture it all being filmed with like a, a camera angle from way down low, staring up at you know everybody, or weird yeah. weird yeah, oblique angles yeah, from the corner it, of the there room, were. and yeah, now that you I know think harsh about it, lighting were. angles, yes, and, and yeah, yes. just like playing up the you're in the twilight zone. You yeah. think you're watching Star Trek, but you're in the twilight zone right yeah, now. Yeah, it is, and yeah. and. O'Brien's hair is increasingly crazy. Well, I mean, it's already a curly mane. It's already, like, yeah. But like but. they did, they took, they, <laughs> they picked out his fro as it were. Yeah. A bit, yeah. So that he seemed a little extra harried. Well, so yeah. we, you know, the guy we're sympathizing with is, is falling apart. Yeah. Because every so. season we have to drive O'Brien's crazy. crazy. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Very cool. Well, cool. So that's, uh, I, first off, 
thank you for for hanging with that. Uh, it, that is as niche as I've gotten. Yeah, I think. Because um, yeah. even even when I discussed Uber Roy, it was in the context of the Far Side, which everybody's yeah. fucking read. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> everybody our age. Yeah. True. True. Has read. Um, but yeah. But uh, I don't know, man. We've we've done a hundred episodes of this. Yeah. It's that's nuts. Like, it kind of is. So kind of is. Um, any anything you've gleaned after a hundred episodes of after a hundred episodes of doing this? Yeah. Um. Wow. Um. In in the aggregate, um, I think I think the biggest thing that that I have have gotten out of what we have done is that everything that we view or or listen to or produce or read the stories that we tell in the in the media that we create mm-hmm. um especially i'm gonna say especially in genre mm-hmm. whether that genre is wrestling or that genre is science fiction or fantasy or whatever mm-hmm. um all are uh operating within a a cycle with the zitgeist yeah they come out of the zitgeist and then they feed into it and steer it one way or another and and then and then spin back out of it mm-hmm. in a in a in a cycle and i mean anybody who has you know done media studies or done you know, sociology or anything like that would, would hear me say that and be like, well, uh, yeah, Ed, but the, the illustration of that over the course of the last hundred episodes and, and when we've, when we've gone into, you know, deep dives, like, you know, on fucking Batman for 10 fucking episodes, (laughs) Uh, by the way folks if you're if you're hoping for us to do any kind of detail about batman you're going to be waiting a while because like we we spent a long time on it um uh i mean inevitably we're we're probably gonna have to come back to something but it's not yet um but you know seeing that that idea reinforced kind of over and over and over again Mm -hmm. and and when we've we've looked at something in depth having that become as obvious as it has become Mm -hmm. and and the kinds of things you know talking about buffa buffa and cultural assumptions sure you know suddenly realizing that okay wait this whole thing is built around this particular cultural assumption you know this this is something that you know the writers weren't even actually really consciously trying to point out, but now that we look at it, it's like, how do you not see that? You know? Um, yeah, I think, I think that's the most powerful thing is, is the understanding that we are the masters of the zitgeist mm-hmm. in aggregate. And we are also kind of its slaves. Yeah. You know, yeah. how about you? What, what is your, Takeaway over the last hundred episodes. Hundred episodes of doing this. Uh, let's see. Um, I guess the first thing would be um, how presentist both of us are. Oh yeah. Well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, despite yeah. the fact that we're historians. Yeah. Um, that would be that would be one. Uh, 
another would be i guess i learned more about us in some ways than i did about the topics okay um you know the topics were were a fun vehicle uh, yeah to do this through um but uh you know uh, you and i obviously have gotten to be much closer as friends through this and that's been cool yeah um i i've actually surprised myself that i'm able to figure out technological stuff like yeah well i mean yeah. grant you it took me 45 minutes tonight but <laughs> but you got it done i did you, you know, know instead of saying okay call me from downstairs yeah on your phone <laughs> uh but... no we figured out how to get two yeah. mics operating yeah together um who knows maybe all over year... we reinvented that wheel after producer yeah. george figured it out you know forever ago years ago yeah yeah um but yeah, uh, just the the amount of fun that a lot of research is. I here here's the thing that um, I used to say, and I think we've proven the the any clown can teach the deepest lesson. Okay. Um, any subject that we have looked at can absolutely be a mirror uh, for our society and for ourselves, and I yeah. really like that. Yeah, and yeah. I and I think the the corollary I'd add to that is um, the act of viewing it in the mirror affects both you for having viewed it mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the image that you get out of the mirror. Mm-hmm. The very the very fact that you are that you are taking the time to examine it uh, and and pull it apart alters. Or, or affects mm-hmm. the the image that you get out of it. Yeah, yeah. you know, um, and yeah, the the part about us us both being uh, more presentist than than, than <laughs> we thought is definitely a thing. Um, and you know the the extent to which I have over the course of us doing this examined my own baggage Mm -hmm. is i think um i mean looking back over it um this this has been a process of me in in a couple of notable examples actually having to wrestle with my own preconceived notions Mm. like the episode about orcs yeah. which, which yeah. you you have come back to several times in conversation about like that you know you, you really you really think that that was that was a great app mm-hmm. um and i'm very glad of that uh but you know for me there that came from a place i mean it actually started out from a place where my reaction was like okay wait they're orcs like why <laughs> why are we having this conversation about like why do we have to have orcs are people too they're fucking orcs right and then you know taking the time to look at it and think about it i'm like okay i kind of see why yeah yeah okay yeah there's there's some (laughs) problematic shit going on there yeah um well damn it you know and 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 finally coming around to being like no we no (laughs) right right the the whole idea of a whole species of humanoids being just like inherently evil is not cool like we we gotta we gotta talk about that yeah like you know the implications of that are big enough that maybe we ought to have a conversation Mm -hmm. you know um and 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 i'll admit 
you know, there, there was, there was some reluctance to, to admitting that mm-hmm. like, like it was, mm-hmm. it was actually like, well, <sighs> shit, it's the right thing to do, but God damn it. You know, <laughs> um, you know, because, because that was, that was in, in a, in a Buddhist sense that, that was, that was having to let go of the ego yeah. involved yeah. in it. Like this, this, this is a thing that is part of these pet memories of mine, you know, that I've got to move on from. And, and, you know, I think it's been, it's been beneficial for me. Um, I think it's, it's made me a better teacher, mm-hmm. um, outside of doing this podcast because, um, it has, it has taken my intellectual, my sense of intellectual honesty mm-hmm. and, and from there it has turned into forcing me to apply that to working to be more empathetic um, as, as an instructor and, and look at, no, let's really look at the implications of, of not only what's in the curriculum, but like, how are we going to approach it and how are we going to teach it? Mm -hmm, And, mm -hmm. and I mean, I tried to do that before, but, but looking at these issues, the way we have looked at them, has has broadened my view of the of of all of these things and mm-hmm. has um pushed me to be more more direct uh when i'm when i'm you know talking with the kids about you know issues in history um like uh you know a conversation i wound up having with with a friend of the show bishop o'connell mm-hmm um, the other day, uh, we're, we're recording this a couple of days after St. Patrick's day for reference and a conversation I wound up having with him, uh, drove me to actually change my lesson plan for mm-hmm. the day mm-hmm. in a way that I don't think I would have been, I don't think I would have felt like it was safe mm. for me to change it to before you and I had started doing what we've done here. Right. Um, I, I wound up, you know, talking about diaspora mm-hmm. um, and talking about the Irish experience, you know, with the potato famine and coming to America. And then said, this is one of, you know, three principal diaspora in American history. And the other two are the Jewish diaspora, which actually mm-hmm. dates back to Babylon. Right. And which, you know, it isn't what I want to talk about today, but it's important for you to know that. Um, and then the other one is the African diaspora mm-hmm. and the big difference between them is the Irish right. came here out of a set of circumstances that were tragic, but they all, somebody involved made a choice Yes, that either they were going to come over because they were young and strong and capable of it, or they were going to send their kid because they wanted their kid to get away. Mm-hmm. There was a choice made and in the right. African diaspora, they were not allowed to make a choice. They right. came over literally in chains. That was the way I said it to the kids. They mm-hmm. came over literally in chains. They were not given a choice. And then when they got here, we don't have mm-hmm. an African-American version of St. Patrick's Day because their culture was stolen from them right. when they got here. And right. they were not allowed to hold on to that. And like two years ago, I would not have been radicalized to the point of, of where I would have been comfortable being that blunt about it. Sure. Um, but like, no, the, the things that we've talked about here and the, and the lessons that we've taken out of 
out of our geeky culture and the analysis that we've done has made me a lot more comfortable actually just being blunt about it. Nice. And so I think that's a big thing too. Yeah. That's Yeah. Um I th- yeah, I, I I think um first off it's just been fun to research all these things, but I also think that uh it's been uh largely instructive of a kind of a zoom in and then zoom back out kind yeah. of approach yeah. to looking at things. Um, and, uh, the, the interconnectedness of the, the times in which the things happen. Um, and the, and I've spoken to this on the podcast a couple times, um, the tremendous amount of non inevitability that history has in it. Oh yeah. Um, but also the tremendous amount of. Of course, like we talked about just tonight, um, like within the first sentence, I, I, you know, because because I read off of some some research that I yeah, found, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, after the first sentence, I was like, well, of course, there were several episodes dealing with Cardassian jurisprudence. <laughs> Look at what else was happening in the nineties regarding yeah. TV court stuff. Yeah, and we had you know four or five minutes on that, and just the 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 looking at a culture from that aspect constantly like yeah what's happening at that time yeah you know uh sometimes i'll go back you know 80 years to get to it mm-hmm. and sometimes you know i'll just you know speak within it but uh i think that goes all the way back to our very first episode on the cce oh. yeah no easily or cca rather yeah. um but uh yeah i think i think when i start teaching history more the more i can pull into that the better Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's, I think that's enough for me for now. Yeah. Um, so, all right. Well, after a hundred episodes, where can people find you? They can find me at EH Blaylock on the Twitter machine. They can find me at Mr. Blaylock on TikTok, EH Blaylock on Instagram, uh, and Mr. Blaylock on Instagram, two separate accounts. Look for both of them. Uh, one of them, one of them, my students are able to view and the other one they're not. Um, there's not a whole lot of difference right now, but one of them actually has photos of my son and the other does not. I'll leave it to you, which one my students can view. Uh, I'll leave it or rather I'll leave it to you to guess. Um, and they can find both of us collectively mm-hmm. at geek history time on Twitter. And where can they find you? You can find me at Duh Harmony, two H's in the middle, on Twitter and the Instagram. If you have any questions or comments or subjects that you want us to kind of look at, feel free. Had a lovely conversation with a, a, a follower, uh, a watcher of or a listener of our podcast. I was going to say a watcher. Got yeah. a camera in here? <laughs> like, wait. Uh, no, we have to turn those off. So at eleven forty-five. Yeah, because weird. you know, yeah. Uh, but I uh, had a lovely conversation about that, about uh, the the implicit bias that we both have uh viewing things through an american lens when it came to yes the 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 edition wars um but uh you can find me there uh, as some have uh duh harmony uh on twitter and instagram you can also find me every tuesday night at capital punishment uh on twitch.tv forward slash capital puns um and you can also find me let's see what else oh yes uh i've started a a podcast and which hasn't started dropping yet but podcast and a video 
show on Excelsior Gaming. Um, it's the one that has the Stitcher from uh, Marvel Strike Force on it. So that's the okay. one. So myself and Ian uh, McDonald, uh, who's, who can be found at iMac Puns, um, uh, we work together uh, to discuss gaming stuff. So okay. kind of fun. Uh, I get to bring my, my geekiness, and he gets to bring his ability to uh, play a resource-based game um, All right. to the fore. So uh cool well after 100 episodes uh you know for a geek history of time i'm damian harmony and i'm ed blaylock and until next time keep rolling 20s